Almost 20,000 refugees living here in Australia got some good news yesterday when the federal government announced the scrapping of some temporary visas. As well as permanent residency, those refugees who can apply for a resolution of status visa will also be able to apply for family reunion. It's a big step forward. Let's hear from someone who will hopefully benefit from this change. Abdul Nouri is a Hazara refugee from Afghanistan living and studying in Canberra. Abdul, great to have you with us. Okay, we're going to come to Abdul very soon. We're also going to speak in a moment to Paul Power, who's the Chief Executive Officer of the Refugee Council of Australia. Paul Power, uh, this is a huge change. How's the Refugee Council feeling about it? Satisfied? Not satisfied? Oh, yeah, good morning, Hilary. Uh, yeah, no, the Refugee Council's uh, very satisfied um, with the um, decision. Um, obviously, we've been waiting... Uh, you know, since the uh, Albanese government was elected for the, the promise to be um, implemented because it was the clearest commitment um, that the Labor Party made prior to the election um, uh, in, in relation to refugee policy. So it's it's been a um, a source of great relief and also great joy you know, for the people who, who will benefit from this decision. Well, and as we heard, one of those is Abdul Nouri, a Hazara refugee from Afghanistan. Abdul, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. How did you feel when you heard about this change being made? Obviously, like it's it's an exciting news for me and thousands of people who are living uh, in my situation, who've been living like in limbo for the past decade. Um, it's it's a very exciting news, uh, and like I've, I'm still like processing the the change uh, and the news. Uh, so I I don't know. Like it's. Uh, it's great to finally, like after ten years, um, to to realise that yeah, finally we we get the same right as everyone else in in the society, uh, in the community that we have been contributing for the past ten years. Uh, finally, we get to have the same fair treatment as everyone else. Abdul, would you tell us a little bit about how you came to make the decision to leave Afghanistan and what the journey was like to get here to Australia? When when I was a young young boy, uh, it was uh, usually like when you're at that age, like at 14, 15 years old, you you start to think about like yeah, what do you want to do with your life? And obviously, like yeah, I was going through the same thing. Uh, and living in Afghanistan, um, it was nearly almost impossible for me to to have hopes and dreams uh, for my future and what I actually want to do with my life. Uh, so as, as hesitant as I was to, to make a choice of leaving my family and my loved ones behind and come over here to start a new and better future, um, I had to take the risk and uh, may, like start my journey to, towards Australia. And you, unlike a lot of other people, you spent some time in, de- in detention, I think 17 months, but uh, ended up uh, a, a, a living with an Australian family. They worked really hard to make sure your time in detention wasn't as long as some of the other people who came at the same time as you. What's your visa status been up till now, Abdul? How has the, the temporary status affected you? Um, I can say like it has... like. It had like so many negative effects on me, but I'll I'll throw a few things out there, and I'll let people to to be the judge of like how it actually affected me 
my life and the thousands of people who have been living in limbo for, for the past decade. Um, so, like, the, this visa, like, it it takes, like, some of the basic human rights that we, like, we should have. Uh, for me, like, like one of the, the biggest reasons that I, I moved from Afghanistan, came over to Australia, was that I'll be able to go to university, I'll be able to study and get education. Um, and when I came over here, getting out of detention, it was the policy was making it almost impossible for me to to do that. Um, and to the point that, like, after I finished school, I almost had to spend like like almost two years calling every single universities. Um, to to get a scholarship so I can go to university. Otherwise, like, it would have been, like, almost uh, impossible for me to go to uni, uh, which because, like, the cost would have been, like, that $70,000 a year, which is um, for someone like me, it's uh, it's almost impossible to make that, that kind of money in about a year time uh, so, while I'm supporting myself. So this means you have a bit of a clearer sense of, of what your study pathway and, and your work pathway might look like later on, Abdul Nuri. What else does it let you do now that you couldn't do before? Hopefully, like, I'll be able to, to get to uni. Like, I mean, get the same right as everyone else, uh, get a fair, like, same uh, treatment as everyone else. I mean, I've, I went to school, I went to uni, I do all the work, but I still don't get the same uh, treatment as my mates do. It's like the the mental damage that it uh, that it's causing on us. It's it's massive. Uh, it's 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 hard even to imagine like how much uh, it actually damages you mentally when you when you put all the effort, when you do all the work, and yet you still don't get the same treatment. Uh, it's uh, it's unbelievable, and obviously, like, uh, hopefully, like, I'll be able to have my family every year as well. Um, yeah, because that is one thing that can well. that's something that yeah. can make the hard times easier, can't it? If you've got your family members around you, I'd understand that you did get to travel to Malaysia a few years ago to see them. Do you know what their situation is like and how they're feeling about this this uh, change? I mean. In Malaysia, they've they've been there like for almost like four years now, um, and one of like the biggest concerns, like as I said, for us like as a Hazara people living in Afghanistan, education is like um, is a big thing. It's a big deal for us, um, and we we do everything we can to 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 get that. Um, and for for my sisters and brothers in um, in Malaysia, and my brothers. Uh, children um a, for the past four years they they did not like they did not get to go to school um and at this age for them like it's it's a massive part like it's uh it's going to change their life uh missing four years of school uh at this stage of their life um i'm hoping like i'll be able to get them over here as soon as i can and help them out um, to to get the education that they need and hopefully like they will start to think about their future and um, start to make their own future over here in Australia. Abdul Nuri, what else would you like to see happen for other people like yourself who came to Australia by boat? 
Well, one of the things, like I know, like the the OC, um, uh, is like it's a good news, and um, it have made changes like for for almost twenty thousand people, like myself uh, and other people. But we should we should still remember that there are like still people in Nauru, uh, or like or even like over here in Australia, whose visa uh, has been cancelled, uh, and they. Like most of them, they've been like living. Uh, they've been in prison, in detention center for almost ten years, and I've been there like for almost like two years, and I can't even imagine like what like what what it would actually take out of you being in detention for for ten years. It drains you as a person and mentally, like it it ruins your life. Um, I don't know how they're ever going to be able to recover from that. Uh, uh, from the trauma that they've gone through, um, so, so I'm really hoping like that the immigration minister really consider uh, bringing all of them over here and uh, giving them uh, the chance to live the life that they deserve. And as you say, starting to address some of that trauma, Abdul Nuri, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today. All the best to you and your family. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Abdul Nuri is a Hazara refugee from Afghanistan, as you heard, been through a fair bit to get where he is today and studying uh, science, among other things now. We're also speaking today with Paul Power, who's the Chief Executive Officer of the Refugee Council of Australia, the national umbrella body for refugees and people seeking asylum and those who support them. Paul, can you just give us a few quick rundowns of how this will work? Who will uh, get these permanent visas and who won't? Uh, yes, the, the people who will get this uh, resolution of status visa will be people who have um, or shortly would, would get um, either a temporary protection visa or a safe haven enterprise visa. So basically people who've been subject to the temporary protection policy who uh, have been found or, or shortly will be found to be refugees. I mean, the great majority of cases have already been decided. There's about um, you know, more than 19,500 people um, recognised as refugees, but just given temporary visas. So um, they will um, be moved onto these resolution of status visas um, progressively over the next 12 months, from what we understand. Um, and there are around uh, 1,500 um, applications that are still haven't been decided um, for the first time. Um, and around uh, 5,500 uh, people who um, have a... Uh, an application for review, either administrative review or before the courts. So any of those people, you know, whose um, decision ultimately hasn't been decided, who's given refugee protection, would be given um, a resolution of status visa. So it's probably, you know, likely to be just over 20,000 people. And Paul, what's the difference between a resolution of status visa and just being granted permanent residency? Uh, well, it is permanent residency. I mean, it's just a type of permanent resident visa. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, given in fairly limited circumstances, uh, you know, such as this where um, people's uh, temporary um, refugee visa has been converted to permanency. And, I mean, the, the previous time that it was used um, in uh, any significant numbers was um, in 2008 when the, the Rudd government um, 
uh, gave permanent protection to the you know, relatively small number of people um, who'd been on TPVs who hadn't been given permanent protection by the Howard government. Text very welcome on this. One's popped in saying, uh, would you be able to outline what people can't do on a TPV, a temporary protection visa, as compared to a permanent visa? And I guess we're talking about TPVs and Chev's Safe Haven Enterprise visas as well. Yeah. What's the difference in, in access to services between those and a permanent visa? Um, well, people do have access to um, special benefits for Centrelink if they require it, um, but they have um, limited access to um, disability support. So certainly full access to NDIS is going to be one of the um, significant things that will change. Um, as Abdul outlined, um, if they're studying at tertiary level, they're treated as international students. So, you know, they're charged international student fees and don't get access to any HEX arrangement. So and those international student fees, that can be up to 70000 a year, can't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it basically, um, I mean, Abdul mentioned that he had a scholarship and, you know, there are um, quite a number of universities have been very generous in actually offering scholarships to um, refugees on temporary visas. Um, but, that, you know, that's a situation that should have needed to exist, um, but, you know, fortunately that will be resolved. Um, they also uh, had travel restrictions placed on them um, and, in fact, the travel restrictions were pretty tight uh, under the previous government. They were relaxed a, a little uh, several months ago. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, of course, any, anyone in this situation is not able to return to their country of origin uh, because it's the country from which they've sought protection. But where people have had family members, you know, that they've wanted to catch up with they haven't seen for years, you know, who are in a third country, um, it's often been difficult um, not, not impossible, but often been difficult for people to do that. So obviously the travel restrictions will be lifted. Um, there's also uh, practical implications of having a temporary visa. If you're in Australia on a temporary basis, you, you won't get a mortgage, uh, you won't get a loan, you know, through, you know, through a bank um, for, you know, to expand your business. Um, and it's also, you know, tougher for people to be able to convince employers that, um, that they're actually... Uh, um, you know, a safe bet. Um, you know, the, the vast majority of people in this situation are working. In fact, quite a number of people have established businesses just despite all of this. Mm. But they've they've uh, you know faced um, you know some some challenges because of their temporary status. So um, yeah, so it's certainly going to. Um, uh, and I think probably the well the, the two worst things for people have been the fact that every three years or, or five years, depending on whether they've got a TPV or a share, they actually have to apply again for for refugee status, and it's based on the situation now um, that they would face, not the situation that they faced when they left. So it leaves people in a situation where they're constantly having to worry and second guess as to how the Australian government's going to interpret the conditions in my home country now. You know, what information can I put forward? To, to say that I still need protection. But I think the worst thing has been the separation from, from family and not being able to reunite with family. And, you know, when you talk to people, particularly who have spouses and children in other countries, you know, their main focus has been on the ability to, to actually bring their family out of, you know, the... the difficult circumstances that they're currently in. Um, well, yes, and we could hear that in Abdul Nouri's voice, that he's very focused on the opportunities his family members are missing and how much he would like to see them and help them. I guess yeah. for, uh, we need to ask, though, Paul Power, uh, the, the questions that 
some in the opposition have been asking, uh, coalition shadow ministers have concerns that this change will mean more people trying to come to Australia by boat. And it's been reported that the Department of Home Affairs advised against this change to family reunion for this group because it might compromise the overall Operation Sovereign Borders program and encourage more people smuggling. Do you think that's a risk? Well, I mean, we've heard that line from, uh, you know, from the coalition and from, you know, various people um, uh, over a, a long period of time on, on many different occasions. We're told that um, Australia couldn't uh, release um, people transferred from Nauru and Manus from hotel detention because that might send a message to people smugglers that occurred and, you know, the, you know, it, 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 it uh, the fear about boats arriving um, didn't eventuate. We were told that Australia couldn't sign a, a resettlement deal with New Zealand because that would send a message to people smugglers. You know, that deal was signed by the coalition government you know, in, in April last year. Um, I mean, again and again, we've heard that if, if anything is done to treat people who've, who've come to Australia by boat in the past with decency, this will send a message to people smugglers. I mean, the interesting thing about the temporary protection policy is that it was a... Um, a punishment which was applied to a group of people who were already in the country and actually weren't being added to. I mean, when the temporary protection policy was passed by Parliament at the end of 2014, um, the Rudd and Abbott governments um, had for 18 months been sending anyone who arrived by boat to, um, to Manus Island or to Nauru, and they had the Navy patrolling the seas, um, you know, to the north and northwest of Australia. So anyone who arrived by boat at, um, after this legislation was passed through the Parliament wasn't going to get a temporary protection visa. So the temporary protection visa wasn't being held up as, you know, as a, um, a threat to anyone who might come to Australia. It was actually a policy that was applied as a punishment to people who were already in the country. Paul, so, just quickly before we, we finish up, I do want to ask you this. Uh, polls over mm. the years have shown that many Australians supported those hardline immigration measures. For example, a Lowy Institute mm. survey in 2017 found that almost half of us thought asylum seekers coming by boat should never be allowed to settle here. Do you think these recent rule changes will shift those attitudes? Well, I think, I mean, what we've seen, um, you know, with a group of people who are on temporary protection visas, um, you know, is that they are a known entity. They've been living in the country for 10 years or more, um, you know, contributing to Australian society. Um, you know, they, uh, I mean, as part of the process of um, transferring to a, a permanent visa, they need to go through um, police and security checking, but all, all of that has previously been done. These people are known entities. And I think, you know, what we've heard from, you know, from many people, you know, is that, um, you know, for a, a group of people who've been very much a part of Australian society, you know, it's really just a recognition, um, you know, of, of the situation that currently exists. I mean, people such as Abdul have no home to return to. You know, it's, in, it's inconceivable for years to come that Abdul would be able to return safely to Afghanistan. So he, in effect, is going to be a lifelong resident of Australia. So, I mean, at what point do we say, you know, enough is enough, let's actually recognise the situation as it currently exists, give him the opportunity to to put down roots and to, to build the life that he's building anyway, um, and, and also end this ridiculous bureaucratic cycle of, you know, forcing people, you know, thousands of people every year to go this, through this regular review of their refugee status, when in the vast majority of cases, there's no prospect that people will ever be able to return home. Paul Power, it's been great to chat to you today. Thanks for your time. 
Thank you, Hilary. Paul Powers, the Chief Executive Officer of the Refugee Council of Australia, the umbrella body for those organisations. And we heard earlier from Abdul Nouri, a refugee from Afghanistan. He will soon be able to get permanent residency after 10 years of uncertainty. Quite a few texts agreeing with Paul's position. Julie says, this coming by boat nonsense. More people come by plane and overstay their visa. And Jennifer in Canberra says, I'm very happy for the people finally getting visa certainty. Long overdue. But Helen from Alfington says, though it it is good news for those on uh, TPVs and CHEV visas, there are still many people who live in limbo in community detention. My friends in this situation, a family with young children, they've been in that situation for 10 years. They're in daily despair, feeling lost and abandoned. This family was on the same boat as those who will be granted permanency. They were just unlucky to be chosen to be dropped off at Nauru rather than Christmas Island. They're awaiting news of possible resettlement in New Zealand, which is further stress as they have worked hard to find friends and a life here. For all those years, they have not had work rights. They are refugees and they feel like they are drowning. And Helen's very concerned about the well-being of those in uh, similar situations. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.